three reasons startups fail. This is kind of going through lots of postmortems where startups go analyze after it didn't work out, why it didn't work out. Most common one is that there was no market need for what they were doing. It's usually over 40% consistently. And that's the most common reason why these things don't work out. Next one down would be running out of cash. And the next one is not the right team. So I think uh, with those at 29 and 23%. So uh, while that's not everything, I think that that gives you kind of three things to kind of think about as you're as you are looking at minimizing risk and you are listening to the startup playground show where i invite entrepreneurs startup founders and game changers to talk about their success stories learn from their mistakes and hear about their interesting experiences. And now we're live. Hey, Luke. Hello. Hi, Elvis. Uh, How are you? I'm good. I mean, I finally, finally we meet after, after so much, you know, many changes, we finally meet. So, so tell me, how are you today? How is uh, things in Poland? Yeah, really good. Uh, things are kind of uh, picking up here in terms of lockdown, <laughs> in terms of uh, it not being too crazy, or at least it has for the last few months. So, um, yeah, overall pretty good uh, under the circumstances, of course. So. Picking up. What do you mean by picking up? Is there getting better? Getting better in terms of like, uh, you know, we don't need to sit at home and uh, you still you can you can leave the house. <laughs> so in that sense. Mm, okay, so yeah. at least I mean, at least you're not locked in because, you know, I think that somewhere uh, maybe it's a fake news, but, you know, I heard that, you know, when in China, the Corona started, they've been locked inside with a package of mm. rice and that's it. Yeah. We weren't allowed to go out. Maybe it's like it's real or not real, but, you know, hey, you know. You gotta, yeah, there was, yeah. You got to do what you got to do, right? That's it. That's it. Amazing. So uh, let's, uh, before we kind of jump into the topic, which is sure. basically about launching yeah. new products in the market, basically, because, you know, sometimes there are products that uh, we launch in a market and, you know, they fail or services. And mm-hmm. also some of them will be mentioned during today's recording. So tell me, who are you and what is launch tomorrow? Sure. So my name is Luke Shermer. I'm an author and a consultant. Um, so I help companies uh, get up to speed in terms of new product development. And I got into this by being a product guy at a software company and uh, basically wrote a book called Launch Tomorrow After Significant Testing. And um, yeah, and it did quite well. So after that, I decided to turn that into a, a consulting thing. Um, I primarily help with the earlier seed stage, uh, kind of at the moment where you're combining product and marketing together. Um, and uh, yeah, success looks interesting there because it's uh, sometimes it's actually identifying and getting rid of a bad idea. <laughs> but on the other hand, you know, I also have readers and customers that had pretty big, uh, you know, like nine figure exits, that kind of thing. So. It's, what, it's, it's you, quite the range. Can you mention any big names that you said like nine figures? No, I can't. No, you're not allowed to. Okay, so no. so you just big, big brands. Okay, that's nice. Yeah. And how and how how did you get into it? Like how you decided to kind of help brands and seed startups to kind of launch their products? Like 
because you know that's kind of like i think it's part of the basics of when you're launching a business you know you kind of have to know you know not step yeah. by step yeah. but you know it's always nice to have like somebody help you out sure sure yeah. so yeah i mean initially it was uh, i tried to put together a product of my own on the side uh, while i was working mm -hmm. full time mm -hmm. um and uh it you know i put in you know quite a lot of money uh quite a lot of time at least you know by my own standards mm -hmm. um and um yeah it, it ended up going nowhere and I, I after after kind of looking back stepping back thinking about it um i started realizing that you know despite the fact that i do have some kind of background and uh you know marketing economics that kind of thing it it it, it actually uh I, I was missing significant bits of information and experience in terms of it uh and yeah i kind of i've started uh i learned direct marketing i learned kind of i found the lean startup world got involved with a meetup in london uh for about five years and you know we did lots of events with uh, with people uh with both with startups and also with you know people that are that specialize in that kind of thing and that's I got more and more into that and uh, it kind of went from there pretty much. So initially kind of as a hobby and as a, as attempts to building my own business. And then in the end, realizing that actually I enjoy the writing and the thinking probably more than, uh, than actually doing it myself. Uh, but which, you know, it, it's still, there's still so much out there that, you know, I, I, I'm able to help people out with, uh, with the, you know, the, the structures and the processes that I've come up with so okay so and um is would you say that that's your why why you started it or is there a deeper why for you yeah there's definitely a deeper why i mean i think the <laughs> when i think about it i mean the the thing that i really strongly dislike are things that are highly efficient but are pointless uh and honestly it's everywhere <laughs> so <laughs> not, not just in startups if you, if you really start looking for it um and yeah i mean I, I think the main reason it bothers me is like it's just kind of disconnected from reality from people from customers from 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 actual needs um and you know if, if you really think about it like you know this is why uh you know, in the startup world, you could have founders wasting months or years, kind of honing a turd, right? <laughs> Trying to get, uh, or, you know, even, and then, you know, looking at on a bigger scale, this is why, you know, big companies fail. It's why totalitarian, go totalitarian governments fail. Um, so it's, uh, you know, I, I, I really like promoting this kind of, for myself and to anyone, uh, who, who likes working with me to be as mindful and deliberate as you can. Uh, and then that makes it possible to avoid falling into that trap. So that's, I guess, the, the, the main bigger why I think behind all of this. So, and how, and how, as a, as an, as a person who helps other brands and, and companies and uh, bigger and smaller size startups, you know, to launch a new product or service in the market, how from your opinion or expertise have corona and the current situation we currently live in impacted you know launch a new product because you know it may be harder to and also you know i think the consumer have become more price conscious and uh, quality conscious those kind of things so any comments on that so it 
in many ways, I think it's actually been a really, really good time for innovation, uh, mm -hmm. simply because the everything suddenly shifted, uh, and a lot of people and companies, large and small, had to re-examine a lot of assumptions, things they took for granted. And this is this is pretty much the bread and butter of the startup world. Uh, but suddenly, even huge companies had to start thinking like startups, like you know, do is is our product needed, or do we need to pivot into something else? Like what what's a, like how do we adapt to this situation? And some did very well, some didn't. But I think um, yeah, I mean, I, I think the companies that have done very well have tended to uh, kind of do things related to corona or somehow adapt to that whether you know it's shifting you know from uh i don't know making wine to making disinfectant mm -hmm, <laughs> so mm -hmm. taking lamps yeah. that you know actually also work as disinfectant you know mass uh -huh. creation yeah yeah uh, building things shifting from i don't know stage build building stages to building you know desks to work at home so it's mm -hmm all of these opportunities suddenly arose and that it was just a question of how quickly you could reorient whatever you're doing, all of your resources to go after the new opportunities and not be kind of held back by your old worldview and your own assumptions and trying to replicate what you're doing, but just, you know, online while trembling, <laughs> is mm -hmm. it going to work? Yeah. You know, yeah. that yeah. kind of thing. So. Yeah, but you know, I also like there are a lot of um, like since the Corona started, you know, a lot of companies like Apple, like Body Shop, and and all the other companies that are doing some things. Like Apple launched their uh, uh, Apple Mask, or mm -hmm. or Body Shop launched the disinfecting, or you know, some like uh, I also some I think that some perfume brands also launched the disinfecting chemicals or those kind of things. So. Speaking about like launching a new product, how is it important and and when it comes to launching a product, is there any time frame to kind of uh, before you know kind of establishing and then you know kind of is there any time frame to launch a new product or does doesn't matter? It's looking up to the market basically. It's so timing is really important. Mm -hmm. So I think there's two things that are really important. So one is, um, in, uh, so, okay. So in terms of timing, uh, I think the, the key concept uh, there that I always come back to is looking for uh, what Steve Jobs called markets and ascendancy. So he'd go and develop products, figure out technically how to get something to work, but he'd waited with launching it until he saw that actually that market was kind of about to go nuts or, or or it already was and i think a good example of this was the ipod uh where you know there were mp3 players long before the ipod came out mm -hmm. uh, but he kind of had the idea but he just kind of kept it there waited until uh even though i think technically everything was already in place for for them to build it it's just it wasn't ready until the market actually took off um but um yeah i mean i think the other side of it is also like waiting for a point or figuring out when customers are actually going to be able to understand and accept whatever it is you're creating mm -hmm. and coming at it from the point of view of the customers. So especially in technology, you have this problem where people go off, create, you know, spend years building something and it's really complicated and it's really, uh, you know, 
uh, it's really advanced technically, but then when they try to put it in front of the market for the first time, it um, nobody understands it. It's this kind of classic curse of knowledge type of problem where the the founders have this idea and they've kind of been together and working on it and honing it, but um, if they can't even describe it like on a web page or in a you know in a one in, in one sentence in a way that it's going to connect with people, then it's going to have a hard time going anywhere. Uh, so, um, and then that, that changes too. So for example, um, email, for example, in the nineties, most people had no idea what it was. Now it's like, <laughs> is the there tool. anyone who doesn't know what an email is? Yeah. Yeah. It's like, everybody's using it. Uh, so uh -huh. it, um, so in that sense, the timing changes depending on what other things people are used to and you know how much adoption there is of other related products that kind of thing so so in that sense launch timing does matter also okay okay and uh for example you also mentioned ipods right um yeah and i also would love to discuss about like advertising because you know if you remember like you know when they first launched an ipad they their prod uh, their advertising campaigns on TVs were super colorful because they were mm -hmm. like a lot of colors and those kind of things. And I always loved the way Apple introduces new products because by her, their commercials, you can see it, it's super, you know, like not advanced, but like a premium object product because, you know, mm -hmm. compared to other things. Right. So basically yeah. my question is like, what are the best ways to kind of advertise uh, a product? let's say in the current market, because, you know, as we know, like a lot of, a uh, lot of business plans that companies have created for years and years until the Corona, everything was okay, but Corona came and now they have to shift everything, you know, and also I've heard that a lot of brands have to just throw out their business plans because nothing that worked before may work now. Out. Yeah. So what's your comment on, on that? So, in terms of the best ways to launch and like even like what channels to use that kind of thing um the so the, the the general piece of advice that i always give uh and i try and apply myself is essentially go and speak with the target market mm -hmm. that you're going after mm -hmm. and talk to them about their problems to get a sense of how to place what you're doing in the context of mm -hmm. what they're doing but also talk about, you know, what media do they consume? What do they listen to? What do they read? And based on that, that gives you a sense of where, where to focus your own efforts in terms of, you know, either buying advertising or, you know, creating content and, and you know, giving it away, <laughs> guest posting, whatever. Um, and then that way, uh, that way it has a much better chance of landing. I mean, in terms of, the actual content of what it is. I mean, Apple's fantastic at identifying one feature and really kind of digging in to make it super premium. So, and that is the one thing that then speaks for everything else because actually creating, you know, the iPad or, or pretty much any of the things that they've launched is actually much, much more complicated technically, but when they're presenting the message, they're starting with their strongest point and the strongest differentiating factor across everything else that they're, uh, that that product is competing in, in that category. Um, mm -hmm. 
so yeah instead of you know having this big laundry list of of bullet points and and features and you know <laughs> and so and so many gigabytes of disk space and whatever else like mm -hmm. actually like you say what 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 drew you to the ipad was the fact that it's got so many pixels and so many colors and you know that and you can take really nice pictures with it right or yeah or and I, th i think that i think that i think that also biggest selling point for ipod was that you know the the amount of songs that you can upload, you know, because I think that was when Steve Jobs, and if I remember correctly, when he introduced, he said like, on this gadget, you can put 1000 songs. And, exactly. people, were, and people were like, wow, because, you yeah. know, on the CD, you could not even put so much because, you know, CDs were there. And, you know, of course there were some, yeah. you know, like uh, Logitech players, MP3 players and those kind of things. But I think the biggest, USB, yeah was that yeah. is just like you can put 1000 songs and everybody was yeah. like amazing wow yeah, wow exactly. right yeah so uh, but also talking about the products you know not always all the products have or services have super successful launch also talking about big brands right so and mm -hmm. i also have noted some of the you know product fails you know because you know some of the biggest brands such as windows and colgate also have you know successful products as we know but some mm -hmm. of them are not good as we know right yeah. so some of them i wrote down is that and you also are free to comment on it is basically windows vista uh, they had the option uh, opera they had the issues that you know windows vista was reducing the pc speed and uh, causing a lot of internet problems for users Mm -hmm. And another product that seemed super weird for me because I have never heard about it is mm -hmm. uh, Kitchen Entrees by Colgate. Basically, what it was, what's frozen food. But, you know, with, uh, with, um, when, when they are labeling, you know, frozen food and Colgate, when we think about Colgate, that is uh, cleaning, dentistry, and all teeth. those kind of things. Yeah, yeah teeth. <laughs> and then, like, frozen foods, like, how, how that goes together, right? Yeah. And another one that also related to the topic that we spoke about iPod is Microsoft, yeah. uh, Zune MP3 player by Microsoft. Mm. They also tried to kind of compete with Apple, but uh, because Apple was dominating in M M iPod and MP3 market, basically, you know, Zune didn't have, you know, the success that they wanted to. So my question is basically why some great products fail and, and, and how to avoid uh, the pitfalls, basically. Yeah, I mean, surprisingly, I think a lot of the, both on the startup and the corporate side, I think a lot of the, at a high level, the reasons are the same. Uh, and they often tend to be more internal to the company and less market facing. Uh, mm -hmm. So I think the, um, the, the source that has the best stats on both on both sides is uh, is CB Insights, and um, so for example, in terms of let's say the top three reasons startups uh, fail, this is kind of going through lots of postmortems where startups go analyze after it didn't work out why it didn't work out. Mm -hmm. So aggregating across, I think I think over three hundred of them right now. Uh, the most common one is that there was no market need for what they were doing. Uh, and that, you know, 42% of them are, it's usually over 40% consistently. Uh, and that's the most common reason why these things don't work out. And I think on the corporate side that, that can, you can, you can see how that same dynamic would play out, you know, some, 
senior exec has some, you know, big grand vision and, um, and then it just becomes some kind of political game within the company. Yes, they go build it, but, you know, and they launch it on time, but, you know, there was no need, right? Um, so uh, that's, that's kind of the big one. Uh, and then with startups, uh, the next one down would be running out of cash and the next one is not the right team. So I think uh, with those at 29 and 23%, so while that's not everything, I think that that gives you kind of three things to kind of think about as you're as you are looking at minimizing risk and and that kind of thing. Uh, the three main things, and uh, yeah, all of those are internal. I think certainly at the seed stage, like figuring out what the product is and how how it's going to be attractive for a particular group of people. Um, yeah, it's uh, those are those would be the main ones. I mean, in terms of the specific uh, examples you brought up, I mean, I think they're great examples. So I think with Zoom, I think if I remember correctly, Zoom was around before the iPod, mm -hmm. and it it was very much in that category. Uh, it was kind of playing into the same rules in that category. So you know, the MP3 players were competing on disk space and. Um, just like the actual features being stressed were like that. So it's like, oh, this one has 512 megabytes, right? You know, that kind of thing. So it'll, that would appeal very much to this kind of techie early adopter, you know, okay, I know what that means, but mm -hmm. it wasn't until Apple came along and then translated it into a thousand songs in your pocket, which obviously compares a lot better to, you know, C C uh, a CD Walkman type thing. <laughs> like you said, it was, uh, 15 songs, 20 songs max, right? Yeah, fit. Yeah, uh, so suddenly yeah. it's like a completely different thing that you didn't need to understand the technology to understand the implications. Mm. Um, and uh, yeah, in terms of Vista, I think at that time, it, uh, I'm, I don't follow Microsoft that closely, but I th if I remember correctly, I think there was a lot of, um, a lot of slippage in terms of deadlines. Uh, I think Steve Ballmer was trying to add a very particular way of going about things uh, in terms of managing how 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 that whole product development was going. And um, yeah, so it, they kind of had to put something out after years and years and billions and billions into creating something or recreating something that in a way they already had, right? An operating system that everybody more or less bought by default anyway. So they we needed to release to generate sales basically because once there's a new thing, people will go out and buy it. I mean, new is one of the classic kind of persuasion triggers, right? If it's if it's new, then you start paying attention to it. Uh, there's uh, in, you know, in direct marketing speak, uh, like new and free and, and there's, there's other ones, but mm -hmm. so to some extent, he needed to get something out there, but then when he did get it out there, I guess expectations were so high. Uh, quality was actually, from what I remember, better than, uh, oh no, wait, so this is after, so Windows 98 was good. Vista was kind of uh, not so great. And then, so, so basically every other one was good. Um, so this yeah. is one of those, right? Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Down, 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 uh, <laughs> down, down ones. Um, yeah. And uh, yeah, so it was kind of a, a bit half baked technically, and um, and 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 then didn't. And more importantly, they didn't have a coherent marketing message as to why this is better than Windows ninety eight. Uh, so not even looking at 
you know, Linux or whatever else, which at the time was like, if, if even 1% of the operating system market, um, it, uh, yeah, it, there wasn't really a compelling reason for people to buy it. Uh, and, and that's the main thing that you need to focus on in a launch, like the, the one message that you get across and, and then make sure that one, the message is right. And two, you actually can deliver on what you're promising mm -hmm. <laughs> or, the, or the technology can and the company can. So. So, so, so you mentioned that when you're launching a new product and also I have related to like a new product launch and where products fail basically is basically if I am correctly understood that there were teams, market and advertising, those are three main factors that you have to look when you're launching in the new product or did I mistaken? It's, it's teams, products and marketing. And then I think advertising is a way of doing marketing. Uh, mm -hmm. It is one which I think if you have the money is, is a easy way to speed things up a lot and get very quick experiments out there, uh, relatively mm -hmm. speaking. Uh, I think nowadays, uh, both Google and Facebook, I think are a lot more complicated than they were in the early days, but ultimately, yeah, I mean, if you've got, you know, either good in-house people or, or an agency, you can easily work with, uh, with them to, to figure it out, but it's, and, and use it to, you know, to hone things like, you know, what do people click on? What are they interested in? Uh, these are all things which you can use to gather data to then help prioritize and in a much faster way than first going out and spending, you know, six years building some virtual reality system uh, <laughs> or, yeah. or, what, or whatever it is. Right. Uh, so. Yeah. But sometimes there must be also products and I, I, it, I don't have it in my head right now, but there must be products that, you know, were launched, but may people may not understood. You know, like they launched. Oh, there was lots of them. Yeah, and and, and sometimes <laughs> you know, sometimes you know, like uh, if I remember that, uh, yeah, I don't, I cannot think of one product right now, but there are mm -hmm. a lot of products, as you mentioned, right now that they they launched it and people didn't understand what to do with it, and then you know, as you said, email, you know, mm -hmm. one of them being, you know, so 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 um, my question is also like related to the teams and employees. How important mm -hmm. and how big role in all that new launch product played employees in the team? Because, mm -hmm. you know, if the team is not dedicated to kind of push out the product and really be there and really be like the ambassadors and explain every nitty gritty thingy, because, you mm -hmm. know, as we know that we met with you on High Right Now and, you know, High Right Now is highly, when there is some issue or something, they super ask to the, consumers who are we basically what problems did you notice and if there's some problems they straight away fix it because you yeah. know some people at the first also didn't understand why there is need for like speed networking you know and how this all this works and all those kinds of things but now people are you know adjusting to this new type of uh, era and digitization that we are living in so employees and teams their importance yeah, yeah. So I think in terms of startups, I think I'd break up the concept of teams into two parts. So one is co-founders and the other is the employees in a startup. Uh, and they're, they're similar, but they aren't exactly the same. So I think with, um, with co-founders, the difference is that uh, kind of a good way of thinking about who sh what co-founders you need is like, what are the key things that the company needs to do? 
and then have one co-founder for each of those key areas, whatever, whatever they are. Um, mm. And then depending on what exactly you're doing, what kind of market you want to go after, that mix of co-founders will vary, but you know, they've got to trust each other and they've got to be really good at what they do. And then that way you create a compelling customer experience eventually. With employees, it, it is a little different um, so I think there, you know, the engagement and the motivation is really important also. And um, so, for example, uh, one of the kind of classic studies of software engineer effectiveness uh, had, you know, the, the difference between a good and a, and say a bad engineer isn't like two or three times faster. It's 22 times faster mm-hmm. because a good one can think very effectively solve basically solve problems really effectively and just have it reflected in the code or someone who's kind of really just kind of plodding along and coming in and doing their thing then then it's it's much much less effective and i think there is a skill component to that but more importantly there is a motivation and engagement portion of that too um and uh yeah i think the way the way the companies run is really important in terms of allowing allowing the control over the company during the launch to be distributed and trusting people to run with whatever it is that they own and making the right decision for you. Um, kind of being more of a facilitator, being transparent, all of those good things. Um, and that's, and that's true for startups and for large companies. It's just easier in a startup usually, but, mm-hmm. um, yeah. Okay. Interesting. Uh, and also one of the, per my personal question that, you know, I am, I'm every time I'm thinking like, you know, we live in an age when everything is basically invented. Okay. Maybe artificial intelligence haven't developed so far yet, but you know, mm-hmm. if we, if you look back, you know, if we think like right now, basically we, we, we as humans have almost everything that, you know, back a couple centuries, people didn't have it because then when the light bulb weren't invented or TVs weren't invented or radios weren't invented, they were still things to invent, right? Yeah. So what are the, some of the products that you think that they're still are missing in a current ecosystem of business and startups and entrepreneurship? Or do you think that also everything is basically kind of stabilized and we can, you know, be peaceful, even though, you know, scientists all the times they want to go to the <laughs> Mars right now, Elon Musk wants to go to the Mars. So they want to explore different things though, you know, yeah, I mean, there's the only thing that's constant is is that change is increasing. <laughs> so, um, I, I would start there. I mean, I think yes, there is a there is a startup angle to this, but there's also a, like a technology angle, but there's also even like a sci-fi angle, right? Mm-hmm. So if you look at, you know, even something like the Jetsons, right? So the the TV show from when mm-hmm. at least when mm-hmm. I was a kid. Um, yeah, yeah. That, that was in the 21st century and that's now, right? So yeah. how much of that is true now? And if, if you look at it, it's like as close to half or a little over half, you could you know, pretty much find a lot of analogous things. Like, you know, you press a button and it orders food for you. You, um, you know, you've got automated robots doing vacuuming. Like, you know, all of this is part of every day now. Um, so you almost need to put on like a science fiction author hat to really look at, you know, futurist type things and, and figure out where things are going to go. And I mean, I, I mean, that's, that's, 
that's let's say beyond my own comfort zone <laughs> definitely much longer term than uh i usually feel comfortable i think with. i think one thing that haven't been yet approved by jetsons that's flying cars i mean i haven't seen yeah. flying cars yet on the streets so you know i know that they're thinking about it and then there are jetpacks and all those kind of things but, yeah you know we don't see yeah, flying so cars yet Well, the technology is there. So Aeromobil, uh, which is a Slovakian company, uh, mm. does flying cars. Um, yeah, Jetpacks, there's a guy, uh, Richard Browning, I think, who does all these videos on LinkedIn <laughs> with him flying mm -hmm. around with a jetpack. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Him or his buddies, basically. Mm -hmm. so, so the technology is there. It's not maybe commercially viable. And there's a whole bunch of issues like uh with these two particular things i presume around you know regulation and how mm -hmm. how do you um get airplanes and flying cars to coexist without causing a complete you know mm -hmm. <laughs> mm -hmm. uh, mess in the air yeah, yeah. exactly um, yeah but you know i think a lot of the technical stuff is kind of there but then now we're getting into the phase where it is more about It's, it's it's the it's the people factor like what are people ready for what do they want uh what change are they willing to accept to actually solve a problem that they have uh, mm -hmm. and which isn't being solved with what they're doing now um and uh that whole side of it um more so and then of course how do you scale an invention to a larger thing so it becomes an innovation and not just be an invention right mm -hmm. so. mm -hmm. Okay, let's leave, let's leave that for scientists and inventors and everybody who wants to still create something, you know, because you know. Sure. I wish I wish I wish in my in my and your life we will be able to once fly in a flying car because then, you know, Jetsons will come true and also back to the future. Hey, back to yeah. the future, the best uh, history um, present and past movie that you know, I have yeah. seen it and you have must seen it also a million times. Of course, yeah. But as an entrepreneur, and uh, I really enjoy also talking to you and finding about you know those uh, tips and tricks and failures and pitfalls. A lot of brands fail and how to fail them, uh, how to overcome those things. But now I would love to find out some of the key activities that you would recommend maybe other entrepreneurs to kind of succeed with their goals. Sure, sure. So. Uh, bringing bringing it back down to earth a little bit. <laughs> yeah, I mean, this is this is more about you know we learning from our failures and suggesting other entrepreneurs on you know what not to do, based on our mistakes. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so yeah, I, I think it's a great question. I mean, I think um, there's there's there is a very significant difference between avoiding in terms of what to do to avoid something bad versus going after something good uh, mm -hmm. and uh, in terms of what you actually need to do. So what what I've discovered in terms of um, what actually uh, what actually works, I think a lot of that's kind of the I've, I've put into the, the the launch tomorrow triangle. So essentially, those are the three main things which I think you know, at a, especially at an early stage, uh, entrepreneurs should be investing as much of their resources as they can on those. Um, so that's basically you know the ideal customer, the landing page, and the offer, uh, and that's based on direct marketing testing, like what actually affects sales, and looking at different combinations and and the the more or less the the breakdown is that 62 percent of your resources should go on that ideal customer that market 
uh, I think 26 on the offer. So figuring out how you structure what it is that you're offering. And then the rest, like 12% going on what the actual message, the prototype, the thing is, the product. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, and so in terms of the, let's say the early stage marketing and business side, that's, that's kind of the breakdown of ideally how much, how to spend your time uh, effectively and your money uh, if, you, if, you're, if you're pursuing something. Um, and then uh, on the other hand, you know, um, thinking very deliberately about how much time you spend on building the product versus the marketing. And, and this will vary by industry. So it'll be, you know, in software, I think 50-50 is probably a good rule of thumb. Uh, if you've got much more heavier deep tech kind of hardware manufacturing, IoT, robotics, that kind of thing, like you're going to spend more time on product development because you've got to get it to work. Um, but at the same time, you do want enough time spent on the marketing side that, uh, you know, you get something out of it. And, and I think the goal of the marketing side is largely to figure out how to get that message right, uh, to make it what you're building understandable to the audience, and then figuring out if they actually want it. And those are doing lots of little small tests that, um, you know, you can do with with different kind of UX uh, or customer experience type tools. Uh, like for example, I used a pick crew when I was working on Launch Tomorrow originally in terms of cover testing and and that kind of thing. And you know, these are things which, in you know, in, in in a few hours, you get the opinion of 50 people about something you're working on, and that immediately gives you a much better sense of um, you know. Is, is this better or is that better and why in terms of, you know, what are the associations people have? Uh, and then also separately, you can test for what do they click on? What do they respond? Because that then you do be able to click to be able to buy it, right? So that that's another way of, again, reducing the risk in a more kind of structured way uh, of, of any particular product idea, but even down to individual features, right? You can test, especially on a, in a web environment, if someone clicks on a button uh, about a new feature without necessarily having that fully built out and you can then you know survey them contact them whatever else depending on whatever it is you need um, and that helps prioritize the what you're doing um, as a team when you're building a new product interesting that's interesting and I guess I guess also the consistency is important when you are kind of launching a new product to be consistent on your messages and you know keep it consistent kind of right it consistency yes I think especially as you're scaling up but I think early on there's you it's much better to be doing much smaller scale testing where you you, you aren't mm -hmm. expected to have that consistency yet in a way like because most people don't know who you are and that mm -hmm in a way is an asset right like you can use that to go and try and you know interview lots of people talk to them about their problems in the area that you're doing so you know meeting people during coronavirus or whatever else right and then mm -hmm. get more insight about that so that you get different messages you can test with advertising or something else and then once you get something that's working consistently then you stick then you become consistent, use it, you use it consistently, but you don't want to be consistent with something which is consistently not working. Uh, and mm -hmm. so there is a, uh, you know, 
that clearly consistency is a good thing and it is necessary, especially, you know, something like uh, with content marketing, with podcasting or something, you know, that you're regularly putting out content, uh, that kind of thing. People learn to expect it. It's like a TV show, right? Like mm -hmm. you, you can't wait for the next episode. So, you know, clearly it, it is an important thing. It's just, uh, you don't want to freeze into something which, you know, you haven't really fully tested uh, because it's just a whole bunch of wasted time and money and effort and whatever else. Yeah. Okay, Luke, I will say thank you for this lovely conversation. I loved it. I definitely know that the viewers also and the listeners will also love it because, you know, a lot of my listeners are people who may or will or are launching new products or services in this current market. As you said, this is time for innovation and this is time for uh, creating new products. And I totally Absolutely. believe so because, you know, also this, uh, this uh, very unique show that's called Weekly and Casual Distancing Show, uh, Distancing Talks, that also came on uh, alive during um, the corona, beginning of the corona, because, you know, I wasn't able, as you know, that to meet a lot of people in person, but you know, let's keep inventing, let's keep creating and let's make, let's create a world better and, you know, save the world problems in any way we can. Right. Yeah. Absolutely. And I will thank you for this uh, lovely talk once more. And uh, I will say also the listeners for listening and staying up so late as uh, the final thing i would love to know from you and also the listeners where how and people can find you and also you said you were a book book writer or an author yes. so share please away yeah so i think the easiest way to get started is uh taking uh getting access to my hero canvas course which is my main tool for kind of diving deep into audience audiences and markets and that kind of thing uh, it's totally free. Um, and then the two books. So the main one that I came out with first was launched tomorrow, which was about landing page testing kind of quickly iterating, uh, things. And then, uh, now I'm working on a book called uh, your first startup experiment. So it's from that very early woolly idea stage to getting a structured experiment so that you're actually learning and, and moving quickly. So that that's also available uh, on LeanPub and launch tomorrow is on Amazon and, and LeanPub at the moment. Mm -hmm. And so social media, LinkedIn, Facebook, Instagram, are you uh, being able to be fine there? Yeah, LinkedIn, LinkedIn, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, not really. <laughs> not really. Okay. Uh, it's, it's just, I think th those three are the main ones. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Under your name, Luke. Luke. Uh, uh, no, under under lunch tomorrow. So there lunch are tomorrow. eight pages and, and that kind of thing. And then I, I share content there that's uh, related to this topic. Awesome. Awesome. I will thank you once more, Luke. And uh, I hope you have a great rest of the day. And I hope you're staying safe and uh, that, you know, soon Poland will be back in order. As you said, things are getting back. And I hope that the world will go back to normal as we were. Uh, yeah, that's, that's uh, you know, some people hope, some people don't. I don't know what's going to happen, but, you know, let's hope for a better, <laughs> right? Let's yeah. hope. Thank that's you very it. much. And uh, I will Thanks, say goodbye Elvis. to you, Luke, today. Bye.